Amen. Amen. Isn't that encouraging? Uh, had the chance to kind of walk through uh, some of that with Denise as well and saw uh, the transformation and to see her there in that video sharing um, and testifying to what God has done. I mean, to see where she's come in the last year, it's just really beautiful, a beautiful story. And, you know, as, as she's telling her story there, you, um, you heard her. She was in a situation where she was stuck. She was in a situation that she couldn't get out of, and she wanted to follow God. She wanted to give everything to God, but she just kept being pulled back in to this cycle. And when she had an encounter with Jesus and really experienced the love and the grace uh, of Christ through the body, she began to get free in her own heart. And that's what happens. When we encounter Jesus, he sets us free. And what I love about um, this church is, you know, we're we're getting together here in this series and we're looking at stories in the scripture of how people encountered Jesus and when they met Jesus, they left and they were never the same. Um, But I love that we're not just here talking about it. We're actually living it. And we're seeing the transforming power of Jesus in individuals' lives. And that's, again, our prayer today. That uh, as we look at his word, these, this story we'll look at today, that it would come to life in a way we can connect with, and it would build faith in our hearts to walk out in the freedom and life that the person we'll read about did. This morning as I was praying about our time, and I hadn't even seen this video yet, but I was praying about our time, and I felt like the Lord was saying, there's some people this morning that are stuck, and I want to help them get free. Some people that feel stuck in their life. And God's saying, I want to help them get free. You ever felt stuck? I remember when I was a kid, I was reminded of this image uh, this week of of, uh, um, being handed um, finger handcuffs. You ever seen these? You know what I'm talking about? The the little kind of, uh, you know, what is it, kind of, kind of, straw that's kind of woven together into this little tube. You put your fingers in either side, and when you pull it apart, it like traps you, and you can't pull it apart. I remember, I don't know how old I was, I was a kid, a little kid, and they hand me this thing, and I start doing it, and it's like a panic feel, like, I'm really not going to be able to get out. And you start straining and striving to get free from that thing, but straining and striving only makes it worse, right? Straining and striving when you're stuck only makes it worse, But then as you relax and you find a place of peace, it loosens up and you're able to kind of get that out. You ever felt that kind of stuck? It's a panic feeling, isn't it? There's a panic that that kind of turns into frustration that can sometimes turn into anxiety or even depression and despair, saying, I'm in this cycle, I'm in this situation, I can't get out, and I really don't know what to do. This feeling of being stuck is a feeling of powerlessness, Right? Um, I remember when, um, um, when we were engaged, Beck and I got engaged, and we started getting premarital counseling, and a lot of our brokenness kind of came to the surface during that uh, engagement counseling time, and I like to tell people, this is basically what our engagement counseling consisted of. Beck and I sitting on a couch, her crying, and me looking like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> What did I, what, somebody help her? I mean, is it me? Am I causing this problem? You know, kind of, kind of deals. And so I'm like, I'm so sorry. Stop crying, please. Please stop crying. Stop crying. Can you help her stop crying? I don't know how to help her stop crying. You know, it's this, this kind of, and it's a feeling of kind of panic. It's like, I don't know what to do, right? You know, um, for, for those other parents, you know, when you first had kids, you find yourself in situations where you're like, man, I don't know how to deal with this child. What are we doing, you know, with, with them? Or maybe you find yourself in a work situation. You ever been in a work situation where you feel responsibility for something, but you're not given the authority or resources to get that thing done? You ever feel like that? It's, you feel trapped. You're like, man, they want me to do this, but I just can't do it. You know, or maybe we feel it financially. We just feel stuck. We just feel like, Man, we, we got ourselves into a big hole, and we're just climbing and climbing, and the more we climb out, the deeper we seem to end up going with it. There's so many different ways that we can feel that sense of powerlessness. It can be when we're trying to help somebody. 
In this room, I know that we have people who, you have people in your life, and you may not feel stuck, but they are, and, and you can't help them, and that way you do feel stuck. It's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help them. You know, and you've said everything. You've tried everything. You know, you've done everything you know to do, and it's just not working to help them. Or maybe it is your own life, and maybe there's some sort of habit in your life, maybe a sin habit or just something that's, that's not healthy, and, and you just try and try and try and try, but you're in, a, you're in this rut. We need a new power to help us get unstuck. Um, probably about two or three weeks ago, my family went uh, kind of on an end-of-the-summer uh, uh, beach run, so we went out to the beach, had a good time as a family, and as we were leaving, we're packing up the car, and, um, and I, hear, uh, I hear a car kind of revving its engine off to the, off to the side here. I look over there, and it's a car, and it got a little bit close to the dunes, right? Um, so it got a little bit too close to the dunes, and they are, they are stuck in the sand. And, and, a, and a mom gets out. They got two kids in the car, and she kind of sends the kids around to start kind of pushing. And she's kind of like, that looks kind of dangerous. Yeah, that look good. They need some help over there. They're stuck. They need some more power. So a great teachable moment here for my boys. So we go over there. We get behind the car, and we give it an extra little shove to get it out of the sand. And I share all these images and, and pictures with you to, to help you identify, because I think in this room, most of us know what that's like. To know what it's like for us just spinning our wheels in different places. Today, I want to look at a, at a man who was stuck in a very trapped, powerless condition and how his encounter with Jesus set him free not only in his body, but also in his heart. And that's what I'm praying and believing that God is wanting to do today. So let's pray. Let's, let's pause here just a moment, and let's invite the Holy Spirit to speak on his, on his word. So Lord, I pray as we open up your word and look at this story this morning, that you would release in each one of us faith that you would restore us to a right relationship with you and that you would release your power that we need. Whether it's for ourselves or others in our lives, Lord, would you release that power through your word right now? Give us, Lord, a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better and open the eyes of our hearts that we might know your power here, we ask in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Mark chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 11. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins so he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. This is an amazing story. It's a beautiful story. It's an amazing demonstration of the power of God, not only in the physical, but also in the spiritual as well. 
Jesus, it says, was, uh, had come to what had become his hometown, Capernaum at the time. Capernaum had about 1,500 people um, that, that lived here, and a large crowd had gathered. We don't know if they were in the synagogue or in a house or where they were, probably a home. And a large number of people had come to them. We also read from Luke's gospel that a large number of Pharisees and teachers of the law were there, okay? So some other people had heard about his ministry, and they were coming to check him out to see what he was all about. And so he began preaching and teaching the word. Matthew's gospel tells us that there was faith in the room for Jesus to heal the sick. So he's preaching the word, and people are coming to him with different sicknesses and infirmities, and he is healing and restoring them, okay? So this is what's happening in this setting. And so as Jesus is there, he starts to feel some dust drop on his head right here from the ceiling. All of a sudden, it opens up, and a paralyzed man is standing, or it's not standing, is laying before him. A paralyzed man. What is paralysis? Paralysis, this Greek word, is, um, uh, um, is, is made up of two words, paralu. It means to come alongside, to come very close in the presence of, and then the second part of the word means to loose, release, untie, destroy, break up, or separate. And basically, it means that this man here was in the presence of destruction. The man who was living in the presence of destruction was lowered down in front of him. What did that mean in the physical? Paralysis is the loss of muscle function, the loss of the ability to be able to move, and the loss of feeling in those places where you cannot move. The causes of paralysis is, is a, a, a damage or affliction to the nervous system of our bodies. The nervous system is the communication highway of our physical bodies. The nervous system begins with the brain and, and, um, and goes down our spinal cord and, and spreads out in all kinds of nerves into our body. And those nerves help us to feel, help us to experience pain or pleasure. And those nerves also uh, spark our muscles to give them the power they need to move according to the command of the brain. When you are paralyzed, there is a disconnection somewhere in your nervous system, damage in your nervous system that is cutting off the communication head from the places of movement. So there is paralysis. A lot of times this physically would come from um, a head or spinal cord injury, stroke, various diseases. We don't know what the case was with this guy. We don't know if he was born with some disease, had always been paralyzed. Um, uh, we don't know. My hypothesis is, is this man was paralyzed even as an adult um, or maybe a teenager with here. So maybe, I don't know how that happened. Maybe it was a disease or stroke of some kind, or it could have been some sort of calamity or injury where he had a bad fall, or maybe there was something foolish that he was doing that caused him to hurt and injure himself in this regard. But imagine that. Imagine just for a moment that he was paralyzed as an adult, or at least as a teenager. What would that have been like in that moment? To have full range of motion in your body, and then just in one moment, after uh, the, the pain of, of the injury subsides, then all of a sudden you cannot move any of your limbs. There's got to be a panic at that moment, a a frustration or even an anger that starts to build up, you know, because that's what happens when, when there's something we want to do that we can't do. We feel blocked, right? And that's what I believe this guy was saying. He just, I can't do what I used to do anymore. And maybe, who knows, maybe it led to anxiety, uncertainty about the future, maybe even depression or hopelessness, because here's the reality of physical paralysis. It's incurable according to medicine and science, right? Incurable to this day. Last week we talked about leprosy, a very deadly, um, destructive disease. But even modern science today has some cures for those skin diseases. For paralysis, we have not yet found a cure. The only treatment and help for someone who, who deals with paralysis is to help that person adapt to life by becoming as independent as possible. You know, and you have, you, have you ever met or encountered somebody who was, who was physically paralyzed in some form? 
when you're first with them, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's heartbreaking. And there's compassion that you, that you have. It's like, oh, how did this happen? And, and there, there's almost a little fright that could come into your heart, right? Of just like, what would that be like? Right? Now, I've known some different um, handicapped people over the years. And, and I've also grown in great admiration for people who struggle with those kind of disabilities. In fact, uh, we're on our holiday um, uh, vacation in, uh, in July, and I remember um, we were in this park, and we saw um, this, uh, this woman on a bicycle, and following them was a man on kind of a, um, a different kind of bicycle that seemed to be paralyzed from his waist down, and he was cycling with his arms. And they're doing this uphill thing, and he was just, man, I was like, wow, I couldn't even like ride a normal bike the way that guy's doing it with his arms, you know, and you watch the, you know, the Special Olympics or things like that, and you see people who are pressing through that despair and hopelessness to find life, and man, I just, I just want to honor them, you know, for their, their perseverance. You have people like Joni Erickson Tata, who was, who was paralyzed as a teenager, who's really spoken out for the presence and the power of God, even in the midst of her suffering and paralysis, and there's so much uh, honor and, 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 and and things we can learn from those who have struggled with those kind of disabilities and overcome and found God. My question for us this morning, though, if there was someone who was paralyzed and they were right here right now and Jesus was here, Jesus was here physically, what would he do? Would he tell that person who came forward, would he say, Hey, um, I know this is not really what I want for you, but it's building good character in your life and in your family's life. And so, so go and let God finish his, his work there in your life. I don't know. Maybe he would say to that person, um, the hope that we have is not just in this earth, but in life to come. And when you die, you're going to have restored legs and arms and you'll be able to move and run forever and keep your eyes fixed on heaven. And that's where... That's where your hope should lie, maybe. And those are probably a lot of things that we would say. And I think maybe in certain circumstances are appropriate things to say. But in this story, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus healed the man. Jesus did what could not be done by human effort or by human means in any sort. Jesus healed this man. Now, this is not necessarily a, a physical healing message. Or if you, I mean, it's hard to get away from it in this message, but just be stunned by that for a second. Be stunned by the power and authority that is in God over our physical bodies. Jesus cared. Have you ever seen somebody like that? There was one woman um, that um, uh, probably when I was about 25 or 26, a woman in the church I was attending who was in a terrible car wreck um, and had, a, um, uh, had her spinal cord severed up here by the neck. Very quick diagnosis that she would be a, a quadriplegic, just a vegetable the rest of her life. Um, but man, we began to pray and there began to, to become a connection there and you know I don't know if it was a misdiagnosis or a healing or what was happening right there but we saw a res- restoration happening and we gave glory to God for it. I also remember being on a mission trip one day and we encountered a a, a, a man in Juarez, Mexico whose legs were shot up from gang violence. And he had some crutches, and one leg was completely paralyzed, and one was hobbled. And so he put all his weight on these just to try to drag, drag himself, and he had one leg that he was just dragging around him. And we began to pray for him in Jesus' name. And well, first we shared the gospel with him, and, and he was not receptive to that at all. And we began to pray with him, and all of a sudden he began to feel some strength coming back in his legs. And he began to stand up and began to rejoice and hop up and down. And by the time we were getting on our bus to leave, this guy was running after our bus saying, glory to Dios, glory to God, because he was able to walk without his crutches and free. So I've seen God, and God can do this. And God did it right here. Jesus did it, and he still does it today. But what I want us to see in this story is not just faith for healing in the miraculous, but I also want us to see 
that Jesus addresses in this story not only physical paralysis, but a spiritual paralysis as well. And I believe every one of us in this room can identify with. What is spiritual paralysis? Spiritual paralysis is the loss of movement and the inability to do what needs to be done. It's emotionlessness in your spirit. Romans 7, 18 and 19 says it this way. It says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. Can you relate to that in your life? There's something good that you want to do, but I can't carry it out. There's a decision before me, and I don't know what decision to make. I know I'm supposed to say something right here, but I don't know what to say. It's the, it's the uh, inability here to, to forgive. Like, I know I'm supposed to forgive that person, but it hurts too much. I just can't extend forgiveness. The inability to break that sin habit in our life, and we're just caught in that cycle. I, I know that the evil, I don't want to do that, but that's what I keep doing because I am stuck. And that person that needs my help, I've said everything, I've done everything, but I don't know what to do to help them. This is spiritual paralysis. And the cause of this spiritual paralysis is that communication in the part of our spirit that causes us to take action, has been cut off from the head. Our spiritual nervous system has been disrupted. You see, when we feel powerless, it's because we are disconnected from our Father in heaven who has all power. There's been a disruption of some sort in our relationship with him that's left us in a panic that's left us anxious, that's left us powerless, and in some cases, despairing and depressed. And we don't know what to do. We don't have the ability to do what we know needs to be done. What is our answer to paralysis? The answer to spiritual paralysis is the same answer that, these, that this man and his friends had to physical paralysis. When you have that, that feeling of, I don't know what to do, the answer is get to Jesus as fast as you possibly can. Get to Jesus. Get to Jesus. We have to get ourselves in a position when we're in his presence to hear his word, to let him speak into our current condition and situation, and to draw on his power to carry it out. You see, this paralyzed man could not fix himself. He couldn't even come to Jesus on his own. He needed friends. But even those friends, as much as they may have cared about this person, they were paralyzed because they could not fix their friend on their own. This man, these men and his friends had to get to Jesus. Um, don't you love these friends that he has? The desperation and just the effort that they're making here to get this man before, before Jesus. You know, this man did one thing right we know of. We, I, we don't know if it, the man could speak or not. Sometimes when people are paralyzed, they lose their speech as well. We don't know if he could speak. If he could speak, maybe he heard about Jesus and said, maybe that's my hope, get me to Jesus as fast as you can. And his friends loved him and tried to get him there. Or maybe he couldn't speak and the friends heard about Jesus and they're trying to, to get him there. But here's what the man did right, no matter what his condition was, was he made some friends. Somewhere along the way in his journey, he had made friends and it's not just any friends. It's not just friends who are um, who are, are caring and compassionate. It's not just friends who are going to stick through with him through thick and thin, but it's also friends of faith. Because when they brought him before Jesus, Jesus saw faith, right? These are friends of faith. And for, for you and I, there will be times in our life, in our relationship with God, in, our, in circumstances in the world where you will feel stuck, you will feel paralyzed. Do you have some friends that can help you get to Jesus when you can't get there yourself? Man, that's a charge to some of us to press into community. Who's going to notice when we're checking out? Who's in our lives? That's why Life Group for us is not just a program or fun and games, man. It is, it is we need this to live out the, 
uh, what God has called us to do. We need people to pick us up. And these men are the picture here, I believe, they, the, the, an image here that sums up all of Christian ministry. Anything good that we do for other people, I think, summed up in this image of these men carrying this man to Jesus. When you have someone in your life who doesn't know Jesus, we share the gospel with them. You know, we share the information, but at the end of the day, we've got to bring them into the presence of the living God, and God lights on that gospel that we share, and it's God who will save them. We've got to bring them to Jesus, bring them into a place where God's presence is known. This is a picture of intercession right here, of prayer. When you've got a situation or something going on in your life or other people, we, we get people before Jesus, right? We get them before Jesus. And then Jesus does what only he can do, right? Anybody seen this movie out here, The War Room, right? So great movie. I got kind of a high sensitivity meet, uh, meter there to, uh, to Christian films and whether they're kind of good and well-made and that kind of thing or not. But I just want to say there's some anointed parts of this movie, an empowerful message of the, the power of prayer to change things that you can't change of yourself. A woman in a, in a dead-end marriage can't do it herself, and so she is discipled by another woman to learn to pray, to pray for her husband, to pray for her family. And when she begins to pray, things start to change. It's what you're doing right here, what these guys are doing, bringing them before Jesus so that Jesus can do what only he can do with them. It's not just on you. It's about bringing them to Jesus. Teaching, leadership, healing, it's all the same thing. It's bringing people before Jesus. Um, er, uh, uh, earlier in the year, Beck and I started meeting with a couple going through a hard time in their marriage, and, and we met with them several times, and I felt like we gave them our best counsel, our best stuff, like here's what's helped us, here's our journey, here's things you can do, you know, everything, counseling, little angle that we could go on, and we felt like some of that was kind of helping, but it just kept seemed like they were cycling back and forth you know, just on, on issues with their marriage. And, and one guy, the guy, uh, the guy calls me and just said, man, we got to get together. We're desperate. I don't know what to do. And I said, I don't know what to do either. <laughs> I don't know what else to do either. But let's get together tonight. Let's pray. And we got together that night, and the four of us said, we don't have anything else to say, but what we need is we need to call on the presence of the living God. And we began to call on him. We began to pray. We began to share with one another what we felt like God was saying. We began to do what we felt like God was saying we're doing. And I, without going into detail, man, the power of God fell on us in that room. And God began to move in their hearts and soften their hearts and set them free of all kinds of different areas of their life. And it was a beautiful thing to watch. And I thought to myself, and begging out talking after, I was like, man, why don't we do that sooner? Shrive, you know, here's our best, here's the best we got. That, but man, we'll bring him before Jesus into his presence. And Jesus can do what we can't do in and of ourselves. What is the answer? The answer to our paralysis and that of others is to get with Jesus as fast as you can. My prayer for us is that we would get very good, even to the point that it is a natural reflex. When we come to a place where we are stuck, where we feel powerless, we don't know what to do, we don't know what to say, that our first response would be Jesus. Jesus, what are you saying? Help me here. I don't know what to do. It's not try harder. It's not strive. It's not try to pull your fingers out of that stuck place as much as you can. That's just going to make it worse. It's not drifting back into despair and hopelessness. It's Jesus. Jesus, I'm powerless. I'm helpless. Help me. You listen to him. You listen to what he's saying. Saying, Jesus, what do you want me to do right now? And then you go do that. You listen. Jesus, what do you want to say right now? And then you say that. We listen. We journal. We, we listen to his voice. And then we respond to him. And when we have access to God like that, it can set us free and set others free around us. Because when we come to Jesus, he restores us. He restores our relationship with God, and he gives us access to his power. Look here in, in, um, in, in verse 5. So these men bring, um, sorry, uh, Mark uh, 2, 5. So here's this paralyzed man in front of Jesus, and Jesus when he saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, let's just think about this for a moment. Imagine this in your mind. People are getting healed, 
God is moving with power. A paralyzed man comes in front of Jesus, and what is the expectation in that moment? The expectation in that moment is that Jesus would physically heal him. But instead, he looks at this man, and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. You see, Jesus is well aware of the physical paralysis in front of him, but he's also aware of the spiritual paralysis. You see, most commentators look at this verse and and Jesus forgiving this man and says that Jesus forgave this man because he was trying to prove a point to the Pharisees. He was trying to show, saying, hey, by the way, I'm God and I can forgive sins and you're trying to come in and question me and I just want you to know that I'm God and this kind of thing is trying to prove a point. Now, we see later in the story, right, that that is an auxiliary thing that happens because he exceeds their doubt and he, and he moves with power and they begin criticizing him, right? But here at the beginning of the story, I don't believe that Jesus just said this to the man just to prove a point to some other religious person. Jesus looked at this man and said, son, your sins are forgiven because that man's sins needed to be forgiven. The the issue of first and primary importance was not just his physical body, but the condition of his heart. You see, we don't know why this man was paralyzed, but think with me for a second. If it was because of his own sin, because of his foolishness, he was left paralyzed. This was a city of 1,500 people. Most of the people in the town would have known it. They would have known that here's this guy who made these mistakes, and look, he's on this mat, and that mat that he's got right there, that's what he deserved because that's what he got because of his own choices. Now, we don't know that for sure, but why did Jesus forgive him? He didn't forgive everybody he healed, but he did this guy. I think it meant something to this guy. And he looked at his heart, and he said, you are forgiven. And in a moment, this man, who may have felt disconnected not only from his physical brain and his body, but disconnected from God, in that moment, he was restored in his relationship with God. Now, notice that Jesus didn't say, hey, I've been watching you, and man, you've been, you've been doing A-OK. You've been saying your prayers, been seeing you in the synagogue. I know you're trying to do everything that you need to do, and because of that, you've, you've earned, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna, you're forgiven now. You've done enough, so now you're forgiven. And he also didn't say to the guy outside, okay, 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 you, you, you've, you've done a lot of wrong things. Sin in your heart, but I'm going to let you off the hook, but I'm going to be watching you from now on. And I will make sure you're in church, and I'll make sure you're praying, and I'll make sure you're giving, and I'll make sure you're doing, doing everything you do. And if you keep doing that, then we'll just let this go. But I'm going to keep my hand on that forgiveness. And if you screw up again, I'm just going to pull that back. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, You are forgiven. Past, present, future. Done. You see, because there was a disconnection between the head, between God and his life, you and I were created to have perfect fellowship with God, but sin has become a barrier between us and God. When you were far from God and maybe had never put your faith in Christ, we're all born into that state where we are separated to God from God because of our sin. Every one of us All of us have sinned. We've gone our own way, and it's blocked our relationship with God and access to the pleasure and joy and power and eternal life that only he offers. It's a barrier. We all need that removed. But I also think that there's some folks here in this room, you've been Christians for a long time, and you know what it's like to have, you first put your faith in Christ, and he forgave you of your sin, but you still feel far from God because you sinned last week. You did what you weren't supposed to do last week, and all of a sudden you feel cut off again. And you're still a son. He said this guy was a son, right? I love that. Called him a son. Called him a child. You're a child of God. You're not just the paralytic. You're not just the lost and the forgotten, rejected. You're a son. Because you're a son, you are forgiven. And in a moment, it was a done deal. And friends, I want to just say, if today you feel separated and far from God, you can close that gap in a moment as you come to him and you receive his word to you today that you 
are forgiven. In a moment, you didn't earn it, you can't pay it back, but right now, you are forgiven if you turn to Christ. Believe what he did, because Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he stood between heaven and sinful man on earth. He lived a sinless life, and he was the perfect bridge for us to get back to God. He died on that cross and took our sins with them into the grave, and three days later, he rose from the dead. The power of sin as a barrier between you and God was destroyed in Jesus. If you trust in Jesus, you have an open heaven before you in your relationship with God, and you can have that right now. We do a lot of birthday parties at our house, and when we do birthday parties, we buy little gifts for kids that come over. And one, uh, this is a couple years ago, we decided to buy some little flashlights that we saw at the dollar store, right? And so there's these little small little ones that had a little flashlight, and you could click it a couple times, it turned into kind of a glow stick, and then a blinking glow stick, and you know, kind of a cool little deal that we found, like a dollar, cool. So we're seeing this in the dollar store, the boys like it, we say, let's buy a bunch of these and we'll give them out as gifts, right? We get home and we're looking at these little gifts, and there's the one that I had kind of test drove, and you know, it was working fine. We get out these other ones, and they're not working. We're like pressing the little button and you know, trying to get them to work, and I'm like, oh, that's a dud, I gotta take that. You know, and then none of them are working. I'm like, dollar store. There you go, right there. You know, got what I paid for. <laughs> All these are duds. Try it out before you buy it next time, okay? So this is what I'm thinking in my sign. So I'm thinking, let's see if they'll take them back. Let's see if we can find some more. Becca's like, hey, let me take a look at it. I'm like, okay, I'm on the way out the door. Takes a look at it, and she, she, she grabs one, and, and it starts working. I'm like, how'd you do that? You know, and, and she said, oh, there's this little blue thing right here, this little piece of plastic. You gotta pull that out. Pull out the little blue plastic, and then all of a sudden, it starts to work. And that, that little piece of blue plastic was stuck down into the light, and it was in between the battery and the, the connection to the light. And so you had to remove that barrier, and then it was done in a moment. Right now, it's as quick as pulling out that blue thing. If you turn to Jesus, right now there is restoration in your relationship with him. You are forgiven. And you see, the cool thing is, when we are restored into a right relationship with him, then all of a sudden, there is, there is an access and a free flow of his wisdom, of his love, of his help, and his power. God wants to give us power to do what we could not do without him. So Jesus, having restored his relationship with God, then goes a step further and he heals this guy's physical body, restoring to him power to do what he couldn't do on his own effort. Now, why did he do that? Let's, let's look at these verses here just a second. We'll close with, with some of these last thoughts here. In verse 6, um, Mark 2, verse 6. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there, and they were thinking to themselves. Now, again, we said that the Pharisees, religious of, of the law, look at these guys. Jesus is forgiving sins. He's doing all kind of miracles, and these guys are sitting there thinking to themselves. What a great, who's the, who are the paralyzed ones in this story? These religious guys who are sitting there thinking to themselves. What are they thinking to themselves? They're thinking what everybody else is doing wrong. Well, I can't believe he would say that. Did you see what he did? They're doing nothing themselves. We don't see the Pharisees doing anything throughout Scripture but sitting there thinking to themselves except for when they crucified Jesus. They're sitting there thinking to themselves. Lord, help us from that kind of religious paralysis. May that not be the church. You see, that, 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 that's a form of religion that denies the power of God. And that's not who he's called us to be. He's called us to be people who not only believe, who have right theology, but that theology translates into the way we live and the way we interact with others. And these guys were the disconnected ones. 
They may have had all the right answers and everything memorized, but there was a disconnect between the way that they lived their lives, and they were not living, moving in a way that pleased God. They were cut off. And they were saying, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who, who can forgive sins but God alone? Okay, and then Jesus, verse 8, reads their mail, right? I mean, totally knows what's going on. They're not verbalizing this. He just knows it, okay? So he, the first miracle here is he's stunning them, well, after forgiveness. The second miracle is, you know, he stuns them by this word of knowledge, and he says, he knew in his spirit what they were thinking in their hearts. He says, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? Okay, and so they're kind of stunned by that question. They're like, I don't know, what are you talking about? You know, and he says, I want you, and this is a, this is a powerful verse that can, can help us when it comes to what God wants to do physically in the natural by demonstrating his power. Here's the reason why Jesus did miracles. Here's the reasons why Jesus did things that could only be explained by God's power. He says, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. You see, Jesus forgave him of his sins, but he didn't leave it there. Instead, he wanted to give a visible demonstration of God's power, that God really is active today. Why? So that what God does in the spiritual and the supernatural might be made known. So again, Jesus forgives our sins and we have a right relationship with God. How do we know that? How can we see that? Is that really true? You know, it's kind of an intellectual, spiritual, intuitive kind of thing that we're believing in. But God has chosen to demonstrate his power visibly by, by giving this man ability to do what he couldn't do in and of himself so that God would be glorified, people would be drawn to God and believe the message of the gospel that there is forgiveness of sins. Jesus healed the man so that they would believe that he had authority to forgive sins. And that's, that's what we see here. And, and again, not a healing message, but we, we pray for the sick. We pray for miracles and for God to do the impossible in people's lives, but be, not because we're looking for a show, not because we're looking for a good story, but because God really does care about people. He really does care about them and wants to help them and God wants to make his power known so that everybody can know that that must have been God. God wants to make himself visibly known to the world. And it's not just through uh, miraculous healings or miraculous things like that. It's through transformed lives. You see, when God takes somebody who's stuck and he gets them unstuck and he sets them free, we look at their life and we say, man, that must have been God, especially if we were closely a part of that. God wants to demonstrate his power in and through our lives so that we'll look back and say, we knew that that was God. Let me say it this way. Where you feel stuck in your life and without power, God wants to give you power. He's restored his relationship with you. He wants to give you power. He wants to bring transformation in your life because God wants to bring great glory through your life. You see, he told this man, he said, take, get up. He just said, get up. I mean, I don't know what, he didn't touch the guy. He didn't do some sort of procedure, so he said, get up. The guy gets up, and he says, I want you to take your mat. What did that mat represent? Remember, the mat would have been a nappy, nasty thing, oily, dirty, on the ground. That mat represented, if this guy, if this guy was paralyzed because of his sin, maybe, maybe not, but if he was paralyzed because of his sin, then that mat, mat represented everything that he deserved. He, wouldn't you have just wanted to get away from that mat? Why does he need to take that up? says, I want you to take that up because I want you to have a testimony to what God has done. So he goes back home, and he's got a stinky oil mat, and they look at him and say, who are you? Wait, are you that guy? There's your mat. That is you. That is you. And it would have brought great glory to God. Friends, we've got areas in our life that are broken, that are scars, that are things that we would just like to be away, get away from. But God is saying, if you'll take them up, if you'll walk forward, God will actually give you a testimony that will be bring great glory and honor to him as you share it with other people. See, God wants to transform us so that he'll get the glory, so that he'll look so good that people will say, what's this God all about? Who is this God and what has he done for me? The forgiveness of sins burns brighter in the midst of God's visible power 
being displayed. Let me end with this one last story. Um, 1997, I was living um, in uh, Waco, going to graduate school, and uh, on weekends, I was preaching at a cowboy church, okay? Don't ask me how I got involved in that, but um, not very cowboy, um, but ended up preaching at this cowboy church every week. So we would go out to this field and, and um, uh, this big pasture and under this big tree, and they pull the pickup trucks behind it and, you know, haystacks, and we just share the word and worship, and it was great. And we saw people come to Christ and um, had a chance to be a part of several people's lives during that season. One guy by the name of Chris Paskett, and um, Chris was kind of a uh, kind of a rough and tumble kind of guy, you know. I mean, just kind of your typical cowboy. He was a ranch hand um, on one of these big ranches out there uh, in the area, and um, and he he gave his uh, life to Christ in one of our services. Went and baptized him in a river. It was awesome. And I began meeting with this guy and, and, um, and, and encouraging him and trying to encourage him in the way of the Lord. And, um, and after about two or three months, um, he stopped coming to church. And then a couple months after that, he started, stopped returning my calls. And he just kind of checked out. You ever had people like that in your life? I don't know. Maybe you're one of those people this morning. I don't know. But you're just kind of like, hey, you know, you kind of slip back into old patterns. and You're just kind of wanting to get away, you know, and you certainly don't want to be around a preacher, Right you know, or come to church or somebody who's spiritual because you just feel conviction, right? Well, that's what was kind of going on in his life, and I kind of knew it, and so I just tried to, hey, okay, give him space, trust God, you know, do whatever he wants with him, and, you know, Chris was also a roper, okay? So, you know, a roper is, so, so he would get on his horse, um, it, uh, and he would compete in these roping contests with his, um, with his partner that they would go and, you know, uh, uh, set up, I mean, y- y'all know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about roping, right? So, so uh, two guys on two horses, and they, they set out, and they try to rope a calf and do it as fast as they can, and whoever does the fastest wins, right? So I would go out here with these guys, and I would kind of be the guy who pulled up the gate, trying to get up in their world to let the calves out, you know, the chute and things. So, you know, I had a little cattle prod. It was fun. <laughs> Beside the point. I go to a roping contest one day, okay? I'm asked to do a little devotional out there, so I do this little devotional and stuff, and I'm sitting there, um, and I see Chris warming up out in the pen. And so I go to the rail, kind of like this right here, and I shout out to him, hey, Chris, over here, and I could tell he's really trying his best to ignore me. You know, he's got a back to me, turn around, Chris, you know, and so I start really to wave in so he can't help but see me. He's like, okay. So he rides over here, so he's standing on his horse in the ring. I'm right here, kind of with the rail right here, right? And I'm talking with him, saying, hey, man, how you doing? You know, and he's got the tough guy thing on. So it's just like, like, hey, man, yeah, I'm doing fine. You know, I've just been super busy and a lot going on, you know, and uh, thing, you know, evidently by him being a part of a roping contest, he's got a lot going on, and, you know, he's really, you know, and so he's making all these excuses. I was like, man, I just asked him how he was doing. And he's got all these excuses, like, I know I should have been in church, but, you know, I've had this going on on Sundays, and I just can't do it. We've got so much going on at work, and these kind of things. I was like, okay, great, you know, and and, um, and I started asking about the contest, and we start going on and talking about it. And, and, and as we were talking, I just felt the Holy Spirit whispering in my ear to say something to him. So we're wrapping up the conversation. I could tell he's trying to get away as quick as he can. I said, hey, Chris, I know you got to go. Before you go, I just, I just feel like the Lord is just whispering something in my ear for you. And Chris, I, I just feel like the Lord is saying that Jesus really has forgiven all of your sins. You're totally forgiven, man. Here's this big rough guy on this horse about to compete. He just starts weeping. He drops his head there. He's just weeping, puts his hand in front of his face like this. And I just put my hand on his back and don't say anything else. That's all I said. And he looked back up at me and he said, I'll be in church in the morning. <laughs> Paralyzed by his failures, by his sins, by drifting back into those old habits. And with one word, veil lifted, your sins are forgiven, the presence of God. And then now he can just step out very simply into what he couldn't do before. Friends, God wants to set us free. He wants to set us free from our paralysis. He wants to give us the ability to do what we couldn't do in and of ourselves. He's just saying, get to me. Come to me, listen to me, respond to me, and I'll give you the power that you need. Let's stand up. 
as the band comes forward here and have some life group leaders come up here to the front. I want to take just a few minutes to respond to God. Specifically, if there are some of you this morning and you walked into this room and you were cut off from God, you feel disconnected from God, this morning, I just want to invite you to not leave the same way you came in. To turn your heart to God, to come to Jesus right now, believe what he did for you on the cross. And in this moment, your sin has been forgiven, and in this moment, you can be restored to him. For others of you this morning, you feel stuck. You feel like you're spinning your wheels in the sand in an area of your life. And this morning, God wants to give you power to get you unstuck and give you help, instructions on what you need. And you may just need to come forward for prayer and say, here's where I'm stuck. Help me listen to God. Help, Lord, what are you saying for me? And God wants to help you get free this morning, I believe. Maybe some of you have got friends who this morning it stirs in your hearts like, man, I just need to get him before Jesus. Come, let's agree with you. Let's pray. Let's intercede for those that in your life around you that are paralyzed as well. And lastly, I want to say this. I, I don't want to miss the opportunity this morning to pray for those who are sick. And specifically, as we're looking at this story and the miracle that Jesus did in healing this man's paralysis, if there are those of you this morning that you have some sort of uh, damage or disease or uh, affliction to your nervous system, if you have a neurological pain or problem this morning, we want to pray for you. God healed this man, and we believe his power is present to heal us as well, to show how good and powerful he is. If that's you, we want to pray for you this morning. But for all of us, we're going to sing this song, and don't leave here without coming before Jesus. In your mind and your heart right now, in fact, let's just close our eyes. And I want you to just, just beneath your breath, I want you to just say in your own heart, as, as you feel led, I just want to say, Jesus, I come to you. Here I am. Forgive my sin and wash me clean. Give me power and help to do what I need to do. Jesus, I come. If you need prayer, you can come forward. But for the rest of us, let's just respond as we sing this song.